A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Heretics Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you to win. I'm asking you to brush your hair. With the that's what God commanded. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 187. No, 100 148. Yeah, no, I'm way off. Wow. Um, episode 148, I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. Uh, the Master's Dog is a podcast I do dealing with false teachers, false prophets, uh, false whatever, anything that attacks God's truth. Uh, I, as the quote at the beginning from John Calvin, I bark as second Timothy says for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And this is why we do podcasts like this This is why I do the false teacher of the week. There are these people that are out there that are taking and twisting, manipulating or straight out attacking God's truth. And I bark. Uh, sometimes I bark more than other times and I've actually been called out on it. I do get, tend to get heated in some of these videos. Um, and so I shout a lot. Um, for those of you who have pointed that out to me, Wusa, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we get there. We are not going to ever become the calm NPR style of podcast that some of you might like. No, I'm not going to be that, but I will work on toning down the shouts. And I, I only really get that mad when it comes down to, like, Dallas Jenkins. I don't know. The man just, like, something about him just gets me going. So, but we're not talking about Dallas today. Um, so, this podcast started out as a podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted, where I was responding to videos that were being done by a group from... A podcast, an LDS podcast called Saints Unscripted that was formerly known as the Three Mormons. Um, and they began a segment called Faith and Beliefs where they were dealing with the articles of faith initially. And so I wanted to respond to show how those LDS articles of faith don't line up with, or, uh, with Orthodox Christianity. Um, then they continued on after that doing videos about doctrine and theology and so on. And so I said, made a commitment that I would respond to every single one of the videos they did in the faith and belief segment called the video, the podcast faith and beliefs refuted about a year or so into it. I decided, you know what? I want to respond to other guys like Stephen Furtick and Joel Osteen and so on. And it's not just, so that's when the master's dog came out and that's when the name, where the name came from the quote, John Calvin, all that stuff. That's where this podcast is from. That's for all you new guys. Again, three or four new podcast subscribers to this week 
thank you. I owe that to every every new subscriber that comes along that sees these videos that hasn't seen them before. I owe it to you guys who are liking, sharing, and commenting on the videos because that makes that guy Mr. Algorithm, and yes, I was calling him that long before Space Jam, uh, send the video out to more and more people who might want to see it and we get subscribers in that way. So I won't ask you to like the video yet because you haven't seen the video yet. But if you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe, hit the notification bell, get all the uh, content that I release here on the Evangelical Norm channel on YouTube. Going to start doing some stuff on Rumble in the near future. Keep your eye out for that. Less censorship, less concern about being deplatformed because of things that I say a little more work and a little more clunky in the manner in which you have to do it. So um, it'll be a slow transition, but the transition will happen. I will continue to go on here as long as YouTube allows me to have a platform here. So do all that today. We are back to the roots of the podcast. We are going to respond to David Snell from Saints Unscripted new faith and beliefs episode that he just put out and he's talking about, and again, this is another one of those things where they, they tend to set up these straw man arguments. Um, oh, well, I guess it would help if I actually get the, uh, the video up and ready. Um, yeah. And that, that, that is this. <laughs> Sorry. When was the last time you did a proper cleanse of your intestines? Maybe you do them often. Maybe you've not get an ad in here so we can do okay there we go sorry usually get all that stuff set up before i start the podcast but yeah sometimes we just have to roll with the punches this is what it's like to do live podcasting i don't edit i don't do anything i hit the record button i talk i hit the stop button i post it and i put it out there for you guys to watch so you just get to see me in reality and no facades no nothing this is this is me doing what i do and and I, again i feel like god's giving me something to say yo dre i got something to say so here we are we're gonna say it so back to what i was saying i think a lot of times they they try to set up these straw men arguments so i don't know anybody from an evangelical viewpoint or even a secular viewpoint that is coming and disagreeing with the lds church saying that oh you latter-day saints are buying your way into heaven because of your tithes no, because again, I mean, there's a lot of Orthodox Christian churches that are very, I don't want to use the word legalistic because that's just, but very stringent on their observant of the tithe. Um, and so I don't think that the requiring a tithe, but it's the manner in which, and we'll see what he talks about, the tithe is required and what, and it's not so much that it's the tithe itself, it's the work that is put into it that is at issue. So we're going to let David go ahead and start and talk and doing what we do. I will respond to him as we, uh, as I feel led to respond to him. So here is our friend David Snell from Saints Unscripted. Saints believe that in order to return to live with God the Father and become more like him after this life in the highest degree of heaven, God has asked that as an expression of our faith, we make and keep certain covenants with him, which we do via ordinances. The first ordinance that sets you on this covenant path is baptism, which generally takes place in a baptismal font in one of our church buildings. Many later ordinances are performed in Latter-day Saint temples. 
We take these ordinances seriously and believe that members need to prepare themselves spiritually before making those promises with God. You need to be able to keep those promises. Thus, there are some basic standards that must be met in order to obtain a Temple Recommend, which gives you access to Temple Ordinances. Today, Temple Recommend interviews consist of 15 questions. One of those questions is, are you a full tithe payer? If you're not a full tithe payer, your request for a Temple Recommend may be denied. This has led some people to wonder, does the tithing requirement for entry into LDS temples amount to Mormons buying their way into heaven? Shut up and take my money! Well, let's talk about it. Alright, so before we talk about it, let's just, let's just deal with that little bit of commentary. Covenants and so on. Yes. Do we enter into a covenant with Christ? Yes. But much like the covenant that God made with Abraham. So here, here's the thing. God made this covenant with Abraham. And he causes Abraham to fall asleep. And God walks amongst. And so they take these animals and they split them in two. And essentially what the, the, the inference is and the cutting of the animals in two and the walking in between the, the halves and so on is if I do not uphold my part of the covenant, then you should do this to me. But God causes Abraham to fall asleep, and God walks between those in the covenant with Abraham. Abraham has no, no obligation in the covenant. God is making it in and of his own accord. There's nothing that Abraham can do. There's a sign of the covenant, of the, the circumcision and so on, but there's nothing Abraham can do that can break the covenant because God has made it with Abraham. Much like that, Christ, the covenant that we make with Christ, is all his work. And it's important to recognize that. It is everything that Christ has done. That's why Paul tells us that by no works of the law may man be justified. Because it's because of, uh, the law is there to show us what sin is. And that we need a Savior. And we need the covenant that Jesus gave us. And we, I mean, we're not going to be able to keep <laughs> our side of it. Because we're naturally sinful. Does that mean we have an excuse to go sin whenever we want? No. But we are going to sin. We are going to violate the covenant. We are not going to achieve the works that we have to achieve. The covenant was made by Christ and Christ alone. It was all his work. It's all what Christ does. That is where the covenant comes from. So again, to add these things into, and, and, and well, you can't do this and that and blah, blah, blah. You're, you're stepping into what we call works righteousness. And that's what we're going to talk about. Not necessarily the tithe and buying your way in, but what does that look like in, in the requirements? And as David talks, we'll understand more. So here we go. People who want to join the church through baptism are interviewed beforehand to make sure they're spiritually prepared and are aware of what they're committing to. In this interview, you have the opportunity to share your testimony of Christ and the restored gospel, and at this time you agree to strive to live by church standards. For example, you agree to keep the Sabbath day holy to obey the law of chastity and the law of tithing. You'll notice that when you are later interviewed for a temple recommend, a lot of those same baptismal interview questions show up again. Why? Because it doesn't make a lot of sense for you to make additional commitments with God if you aren't able to live up to the commitments you've already made with God at baptism. That makes sense to me. 
Tithing isn't something that suddenly becomes important when you want to enter the temple. It's something you committed to at baptism. But let's go back to the New Testament for some additional context. After Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension, we read about how the apostles ran Christ's church. Acts chapter 2 says, And all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Notice it's not 10% of things in common, it's all things in common. And again in Acts chapter 4 we read, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. The same thing happens in the Book of Mormon after Christ visits the people there. They had all things common among them, therefore there were not rich and poor, bond and free, but they were all made free and partakers of the heavenly gift. Okay, so as we look at this, I mean, there there are some things that are here. He's going he's gonna to attach it to something else in a moment, and, and we're going to talk about that. But this was, as we're going to see in a minute, what he talks about, the, the very next thing that he's about to bring up um, is that uh, this is not necessarily an absolute requirement. Okay, this is not, everybody didn't have to do this. This was not part of the covenant. This was a voluntary thing. And we're going to see that here in just a second. So again, and, and we'll get to talk about the tithe here in a little bit too. Um, and what I think about that. And then we'll talk about works. In our faith, we call this practice of having all things common, the law of consecration. Early Latter-day Saints under Joseph Smith attempted to live this law as well, but ultimately failed. After these early failures, the Lord adapted the requirements of the law of consecration to the capacities of the saints and revealed the law of tithing as a practice to follow. Although tithing does not require... Okay, so again, this is, this is the LDS God time and time again. Supposedly, there's a, a law that is given to the people, a law. Now, again, you cannot violate or adapt the law of gravity, you know, in this sense. But these laws of consecration, well, you had to do it. And, you know, we see this, you know, kind of inference that this was a, re a requirement for being members in good standings of Christ's church and blah, blah, blah. But when human nature falls into play, then the LDS God is forever revamping and readjusting his laws that he gave to them. You know, these aspects of the everlasting gospel that is constantly changing. The giving of everything to the Lord, it teaches the fundamental elements upon which the character of a Zion people rests. Self-control, generosity, love of fellow humans, love for God, and a desire to build the kingdom of God. For we mortals, it's not an easy law to live. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira from Acts chapter 5, who tried to hold back from the community of believers and paid a steep price. Like the disciples of old... Okay, here's the issue, and this is what I was inferring earlier. Ananias and Sapphira didn't die because they held back from the community. And Paul even says to them, and I, I should have pulled up the, uh, the scripture, but I didn't. So I'm not going to be able to read it. But Paul says to them, is this not yours to do with what you want? But you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've given this money. You said we gave everything, but you held something back. It's not, they didn't have to give everything. 
Paul is making it clear. You didn't have to give everything. If you wanted to keep something, you could keep it. Just be honest. But you lied, and that was, that was the thing that caused them. Not because they held back from the community, because they lied to the Holy Spirit. They took what was theirs to do with what they wanted and lied about it. That's the key. It's not about the, the money or the amount. It's about the lie and that they didn't have to give everything to begin with. The Latter-day Saints believe that living in accordance with the law of consecration helps create a Zion-like people, a selfless people that are of one heart and one mind with no poor among them. In the temple, Latter-day Saints covenant to live the law of consecration. As mentioned previously, we do not currently live this law in exactly the same way as early Latter-day Saints attempted to, but we do promise that if required, we would be willing to sacrifice all of our time, talents, and resources to the kingdom of God. Not just 10%, 100%. We believe consecration is a celestial law, and we believe that in order to live in the celestial kingdom, we need to be able to live by celestial law. Thus, you know what else is a celestial law? Polygamy. Again, here, you, when you have a religion that just works to appease themselves, you have this, this false god that goes, well, you weren't able to do what I wanted you to do when I told the dude to tell you to do it, so we're going to make, oh, well, no, this is just a heavenly thing. The same thing with polygamy. Um, you know, it could be the same thing with blacks and the priesthood. Again, all these things that were so rigid and so adamant. No um, black person would hold the priesthood until every worthy white man held it. Oh, well, you know, God changed his mind. Political pressure caused God to change his mind. You know, people's inability, people's greed, people's selfishness caused God to change his mind. People's anger that men were taking multiple wives, some of them very young, and some of them still married to other men. The anger of these other men causes God to change his mind and say, oh, no, we're not going to do polygamy anymore. Right? Do you see the issue? Do you see where your, your, will, your wishy-washy, um, I will call him squishy and he will be my squishy God, comes from? It's, it's just fabrication. We don't view tithing as a way to earn heaven. It's a way to learn heaven. It's not so much about what is expected of you to get into heaven. It's about learning the kind of love and selflessness that will be expected of you as part of that heavenly community. That is the kind of selfless community that we see operating in the scriptures after these experiences with Christ. If you want to look at the tithing requirement in Temple Recommend interviews as exaltation blackmail, that's up to you. This looks and reads like a ransom note and a bad one at that. But if you're unwilling to live the law of 10% tithing, is it really appropriate for you to go to the temple and promise God that you are willing to live the law of 100% consecration? Don't make promises you can't keep. Probably not. It's probably also worth noting that tithing is paid on income. So there are some people who have no income and therefore pay no tithing, but are still considered full tithe payers and can enter the temple. On the flip side, though you pay all the tithing in the world, if you don't keep your promises with God, it's not going to do you much good. You can't buy your way into heaven. In Matthew 22, Christ tells us the first and great commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And then in John 14, he tells us one of the ways we can show our love for God. If ye love me, keep my commandments. I don't look at tithing as a convenience fee attached to my ticket to heaven. I believe it is a commandment from God, and I don't believe that Christ's amazing saving grace 
exempts me from making very real sacrifices of time and resources, just as the disciples of old did who left everything behind for Christ. I hope this context helps. Check out the resources in the YouTube description for more info on this topic. Watch some of our other videos while you're here and have a great day. So there you go. There's his information on the tithe and blah, blah, blah. Here's the issue. And here's where I stand on tithe. I don't think tithe is a law. All right. It was the requirement and it was actually more than 10% with the, the Old Testament, uh, Israel and so on. What we have is, is, is God is telling us to be cheerful givers. We are required. We are expected to give to our local ministries, to our local church, to uh, you know whatever ministries it is that you support, but you should be tithing or giving an offering to your local church. I don't think it has to be ten percent. I think it should be generous. I think it should be whatever it is that you can give unbegrudgingly. Um, so being a cheerful giver, you know, if if you can't afford ten percent, if it, if ten percent of your income means that you're not paying other bills, get your finances right. And then increase your tithe or your offering as you can, as you get other bills paid off and so on. Don't go into financial ruin. Don't go into any of those things. You know, but again, make your steps to get your financial situation appropriate to where you can give 10% or more. And, and again, cheerful, cheerful giving sacrificially, giving generously, giving uh, cheerfully. This is what the New Testament tells us that we should be doing with our giving. So however much that is that you give, whether it's 1% or 20% or 50%, whatever it is. And again, it's not, it's not the, the work of the, the, the tithe or the offering. It's the heart behind it. Um, I mean, again, if you don't have a heart for the tithe, don't, I mean, don't give, but, you know, because don't give because you want it because you're lying to the Holy Spirit, trying to, to fool somebody, you know, into thinking that you're something because that's what killed Ananias and Sapphira. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by Christ's works. Again, and that's what this, you know, the whole issue of, oh, well, you have to be the tithe, to be baptized, to go to heaven. Well, no, not according to Mormonism. I don't have to do any of those things. I don't have to do anything. I can be Richard Dawkins, a full-fledged, full-blown atheist, and he's getting to a level of heaven. He is going to the terrestrial kingdom. Right? He is going to get to one level of heaven. I, I, I always forget if it's celestial, terrestrial, telestial, which one. I, what's number two? I always forget number two. Um, but again, in order to... They have to do works in order to receive exaltation. It is salvation or exaltation by works. And Paul tells us that no works of the law can a man be justified. This is where we run into an issue with the Mormons. Because they're what they would consider salvation, everybody's going to be atoned for. Except for those of us like me who had and renounced the LDS priesthood. I get to go to outer darkness, according to Mormonism, as a son of perdition. Richard Dawkins, a vowed, lifelong atheist, goes to the bottom level of heaven without doing anything, without tithing, without being baptized, without any of those things. He's going to a level of heaven, according to Mormonism. Mass murderers. Ron, if you've watched the Under the Banner of Heaven show, Ron and Dan Lafferty. 
Well, I don't know. Maybe they would be considered sons of perdition because they held an LDS priesthood. and they, I, I don't know. Maybe. But, you know, Ted Bundy, never a Mormon, never held a priesthood, murdered ma- many people, goes to a level of heaven. I go to outer darkness. This is Mormon theology for you. So, again, it's not about what no one's concerned about Mormons buying their, because no one's concerned about Christians trying to buy their way into heaven. I mean, we have false Christian teachers trying to get people to buy their blessings and so on. Sow a seed and God will give you, you know, again, it's, it's the, the sin of, of money manipulation is everywhere in, in false prophets and in pseudo Christian churches and, uh, you know, whatever. It's all over the place. In atheist organizations, money manipulation is there, manipulating people with money or blessing or whatever it is. It's there. But salvation is by faith and faith alone in Christ alone. It is by grace that we are saved through faith and not of works so that no man can boast. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. There's your five solas, folks. My five solas. I didn't even realize I was wearing the shirt. But there it is. That's how we are saved. Whether you tithe or not, give. Give to your local body. I mean, most people I know give to multiple. You know, I give to our, our local church. I give to different, uh, you know, parachurch organizations and so on. What, what I give is, is, is far beyond 10%. But again, it's, it's what we can give cheerfully not begrudgingly sacrificially not irresponsibly you know be wise be wise with your money be generous with your money but don't expect the fact that your money is going to get you anything other than the knowledge that you're doing what is right so there you go hope this was helpful guys um again now is the time if you like the video like it share it uh leave me some comments because again more than anything else, I think that those comments are what affects the algorithm. It's, it's people leaving. I've had people liking and, and sharing videos for a long time. And it is recently that I've had an increase in comments that I've seen an increase in subscribers. So maybe uh, correlation is causation or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm just imagining things. But leave me some comments if you would. I'd love to read them anyway. So thank you guys for taking the time out to watch this as always. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.